And what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the program. It is episode 278 of Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the program on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, and you can follow our social pages on Twitter at Twitter X and uh, and Facebook. Uh, great to be back with you folks. I know the schedule continues to be a little bit weird, but uh, we are back with you folks uh, today, Friday. Um, may have noticed from the social pages, got a little bit of a different schedule for the next uh, couple of days. We'll be doing one of these today, another episode on Monday, um, and we'll hopefully be getting back to uh, a regular schedule the week of October 9th. So excited to be back. Um, for those of you that have not already, you can listen to uh, the most recent guest Friday, which we posted uh, last Tuesday, conversation with uh, Ty Anderson from 98.5, covers the Bruins. It was a great conversation, great to finally uh, get that uh, get that uh, get that conversation. Uh, it was uh, something in the works for uh, quite a while, but great to get uh, Ty on the podcast. You can listen to that if you'd like. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to get right into it. It's, uh, you know, kind of a kind of an interesting time uh, with the with the sports teams. You know, you got two pro teams getting ready for their season, you know, the season long run that, you know, hopefully for for one of the two teams in particular can end up in a uh, in a championship. Um, and then you got one team season is pretty much over, you know, kind of a disappointing year, but, you know, maybe some things to look forward to for the future, you know, and then we got a uh, football team with a pretty interesting game on uh, Sunday in Dallas. So we are going to start with the Patriots, obviously, today being Friday, it's, uh, you know, probably won't spend too much time on uh, last Sunday's game, week three against the Jets, but you know, I think the important thing from that game is the Patriots are on the board. You know, get the win, one and two, you know, and I think it obviously was not the prettiest game. You know, I think clearly when you're going up against a team that has a very good defense like the Jets, you know, you're going to take whatever you can get offensively. And I think, honestly, for the most part, the Patriots played a pretty decent offensive game you know 13 points is not great but I think against that elite defense that I think is probably a top five in the league you're going to take that you know and yes Zach Wilson's the quarterback of the Jets and yes Zach Wilson is uh not exactly very good so it's you know a, a win that is a win and I think with this team the way that you know, the previous two weeks had gone, you know, games that you felt like you really had a chance to win, you know, and you came up short, getting a win any way it looks is fine. And I think, you know, finally kind of seeing, seeing your hard work paying off, you know, I think losing the first two games, it was hard to say, oh, okay, things are working a lot better. You know, the results are different because they weren't you know, the results were the same. You lost the first two games, you lost the first two games in a similar way that you lost games last year. And so I think 
it was hard to come out of those games thinking, oh, okay, we're really on the right track. And I think seeing a win, getting a win, you know, that then validates the work that you're doing. So I think that, again, not the prettiest of wins. You know, you probably should always beat a team like the Jets with a quarterback like that. But I think, hey, it's a great defense. You got to win. And I think, you know, you were able to finally get the run game going. You know, the team gained, I think, over 150 yards rushing, which is huge. You know, I think that that's kind of what we were looking for in those first two games, and it kind of never really got going. But, you know, 157 yards on the ground, and I think, you know, that is a good sign. I think that's a good sign that, you know, maybe the... (laughs) Uh, blocking on the offensive line is a little bit better. You know, Zeke Elliott, I think, really had his best game as a Patriot. It really wasn't close. Uh, Had 80 yards on the ground. So I think getting back to being a, you know, establish the run kind of team is what's going to work best for the Patriots. Now, that doesn't mean you need to run the ball 30 times a game. That's not what that means. But I think what it means is you can run the ball with efficiency so you can set up other things in your offense, play action passes and things like that. And I think creating, you know, balance with your offense, because you saw week one in particular, this team really couldn't run the ball. And so they're throwing the ball, you know, 50 some odd times. And I think when this offense is at its best, you're doing both of those things and you're doing both of those things effectively, both running the ball and passing the ball. So that's why I think this week, if the Patriots can get both of those things working, you know, better weather conditions, maybe a weaker defense. I know that maybe that sounds crazy, but I think, you know, this is a Cowboys defense that no longer has Trayvon Diggs. He's out for the season. You know, unsure about DeMarcus Lawrence, one of their defensive linemen, whether he's going to be available. Sure, you have Micah Parsons, and that's a little bit scary, but I think you can feel confident that, okay, the run game finally got going last week. You know, you did hit an explosive play on the 58-yard touchdown to Harold Brown, you know, not saying that you're going to be able to hit multiple 50-yard plays in this game, but if you can move the ball effectively, both running the ball, passing the ball, you have a very good chance to win, and I think the Patriots have a good chance that they can do some good things against this secondary, which, yes, you know, without Trayvon Diggs, it's going to be a little bit easier. But I think that this is a defense in Dallas that sometimes can be too aggressive. And I think the Patriots can take advantage of that, you know, if, and this is a big if, if they can get the proper protection for Mac Jones, if he can have the time to throw, they can keep Micah Parsons and that front seven at bay, which is, you know, going to be challenging, but I think, you know, offensively, I think they're in a good spot because I think you finally saw the run game get going, and I think they can, you know, hopefully this week get into more of their play-action game, you know, feel like this can be a game where they can score a lot of points, you know. I think defensively, you have to feel pretty good about the team's performance the first three weeks. You know, I think that Christian Gonzalez has been 
outstanding, you know. I honestly would say he's been as advertised, but it's like, I don't think people thought he was going to be this good out of the gate, you know, winning Rookie of the Month honors in his, in his first month as a pro. Um, so he's been excellent, you know. Jude Hunt's been really good, no surprises there. But I think that you've had a lot of guys that have really come into their own this season. You know, Jawan Bentley continues to be just a rock of that defense. And I think, you know, some of the other corners are getting opportunities, unfortunately, thanks to the injuries that the Patriots have suffered to all three of the Joneses, Marcus, Jack, and Jonathan. Uh, I think Jonathan Jones limited at practice this week, so maybe he goes, maybe he doesn't. Jack Jones, I think this is his last game on injured reserve, so he could be available to come back next week when the Patriots play the Saints. Marcus Jones obviously went on after the Dolphins game, so he'll be out uh, for the foreseeable future. But, you know, other guys getting a bigger opportunity. You know, Miles Bryant, Sean Wade. You know, I think Miles Bryant's actually had a pretty good start to the year. I know that a lot of folks, you know, are not exactly wild about his performance the last couple of years, but I think that he's this year done everything the team's asked of him. So I think that the defense, you can feel pretty confident that they're going to have a pretty good day against this Dallas offense that, you know, yes, they dominated the first two games, but that was kind of more their defense. And to be fair, they didn't look good against the Cardinals last week. You know, that was a game that, you know, the Cardinals are one of the, if not the worst team in the league, and the Cowboys really struggled to move the ball. Or they did, but, you know, made mistakes in the red zone. So, you know, this is not a game that I think when you, and this kind of goes back to the, the schedule thing that I say all the time, that you never know what a team is going to look like going into a game. You know, before the season, you probably thought that this was a, you know, scheduled loss, that there's no way the Patriots can beat the Cowboys. Cowboys are so talented and so deep, yada, yada, yada. But here we are week four. Dallas is 2-1. and one. Didn't look good against Arizona last week. Don't have Trayvon Diggs. You know, their offense is having trouble getting chunk plays. I don't think that C.D. Lamb or any wide receiver has caught a touchdown this year. So, you know, you never know what can happen coming into games. So I do think the Patriots can win. I honestly think they will win. You know, I think I really wanted to pick the Patriots against the Eagles. Um, and I think that this is a similar opponent in terms of talent. Um, but I think the Patriots win this game. I do honestly think they win. I think that Mac Jones in this offense finally gets a quote-unquote signature win. And, you know, this team announces to the rest of the league that, hey, we figured it out. So I like the Patriots. 31-27, I think that they win. Um, I think it's going to be a very entertaining game. I think it's going to be very similar to the game that we saw two years ago between these two teams that went to overtime. But I think the Patriots come up with the plays at the end. I actually think that it's the defense that's going to come up with a big play at the end. Dak Prescott makes a big mistake. Patriots D-line forces a pick, and the Patriots uh, win on the road. So that's what I think. I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, I think, 
you know, it will be interesting to see if the Patriots can get some guys back on the offensive line. Um, I think that's going to kind of be the difference in this game. You know, can Mac Jones get the proper proper protection? You know, can they run the ball with efficiency? I think you started to see some flashes last week. And I think Ezekiel Elliott coming back to Dallas, being motivated, playing his old team, you know, that could be a pretty big, you know, thing for this team that the whole group, you know, goes out to win it for Zeke and plays, you know, really hard. But I think the weather is going to not, it won't be a problem for this team. You know, fast track on this field, I think the Patriots will be able to play with some speed in this game. And I think you might see some college Mac Jones in this game. Uh, this is a place that I think really uh, could get Mac going. And I think, honestly, he's had a pretty good start to the year. You know, he is, I believe, his top 10 in the league in passing touchdowns and passing yards. So I think expect him to have a pretty good day um, in this game. I think that you know, Dallas is a team that I think losing Trayvon Diggs is a bigger loss than people think. You know, I think that the Patriots can absolutely take advantage of some of those guys in the secondary. I mean, yes, Stephon Gilmore is still there. He can still play. But um, I think this is a team that is primed for um, a lot of points. So I like the Patriots to win, although I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas won. You know, I think that clearly with the talent level that the Cowboys have, they're, you know, a threat to win any game against any team. But I think this is the week the Patriots finally are able to put it together offensively. Um, and you see an offense that can be able to perform on all cylinders, you know, running the ball, throwing the ball. Um, I'm curious about special teams this week. Um, I think that so far things have been pretty good for Chad Ryland. You know, I know he missed a couple field goals against the Jets. You know, not great weather conditions, a couple high snaps. But I think, you know, he and Bryce Barringer have been really solid. Uh, you know, punt returning is, it's kind of going to be sort of a committee thing. I think with Marcus Jones being out, but I think, you know, you got Peppers back there. You got Douglas back there, Miles Bryant. You know, you got a couple different guys that are able to return kicks and punts. Ty Montgomery, you could probably throw in there for kickoffs as well. Um, but I think you're going to see a really, really good game. Um, so 425 start Sunday on Fox. Patriots-Cowboys should be a really, really good game. Really looking forward to this. Um, so I think, I think we're going to move on. I mean, obviously, with <laughs> doing a Friday episode, I think... I think just me being used to doing Monday episodes, this might be a little bit shorter, you know, as we're previewing stuff, um, as opposed to kind of recapping stuff uh, for football. So I think we are going to move on, uh, but we are going to go to uh, the Bruins next as their season gets even closer. Uh, team has played two preseason games so far, third one tonight at the Garden, 7 p.m. start against the Flyers. So, just some notes before um, kind of get into some, some training camp and preseason stuff. Uh, Brad Marchand 
last week was named the 27th captain uh, in team history. That came out on Wednesday. So I think, you know, really for this team, it's the right choice. You know, I think that Brad is coming to his own in terms of being a leader the last couple of years. And I think, you know, to me, there was no other choice for this. This kind of just seemed like the obvious pick. You know, I know that some folks might think, you know, Charlie McAvoy was going to be the guy, and I think he will be the guy eventually. You know, I think Brad will be the captain here for the rest of his career, you know, however long that is. Um, and I do think Charlie's the next guy, but I think for this group, you know, going through the kind of leadership changes, uh, losing uh, losing Bergeron, losing Krejci, I think that, you know, it kind of is the next logical step to go to someone like Marshand, who's now, I think, the longest tenured player on this team, uh, has gone through, you know, not even just this past summer, but I think, you know, losing Chara, losing Krug, losing Rask, losing some of those guys, you know, Brad's kind of that last guy of the old guard. So I think, you know, and I've said this probably multiple times, I think with this team, it doesn't really matter who the captain is, because I think that they're all able to chip in um, and be leaders to, you know, the group, the young guys. And I think it's especially important this season. Uh, but I think, you know, you have a great leadership court here anyway. You know, with Marshan, with Coyle, with Pasternak, with DeBrusque, with, Col- with uh, Carlo. You know, all these different guys that have been around and, you know, have seen guys like Bergeron and like Krejci, you know, go to work with the professionalism that they have and I think that they've seen that and they know kind of what the expectation is so I think um, it's a great decision it's really the only decision here you know Brad is entering his 15th NHL season 8th in franchise history in games played 7th in points 6th in goals ninth in assists so definitely a worthy worthy captain you know I think that hopefully you know we hope that Brad has put his you know kind of some anti the antics aside but you know I think that the respect is there in the room and I think that it's you know not a decision that I think should come as a surprise to many people although I think the question becomes how much longer is he going to play you know I think he's under contract for two more seasons um, including this one so you know, who knows? I think that, you know, Charlie McAvoy certainly, I think, is the the next in line. But I think it'll be, you know, something with this team having to, you know, fill the void. Everyone's going to have to pitch in as, you know, Ty, Ty Anderson and I talked about that last week. Um, that it's kind of going to be everyone is going to have to pitch in. And I think, you know, Lucic coming back is certainly part of that as well. So, so for this team, you know, the... First two preseason games, you know, I was uh, on the road on uh, on Sunday evening, so I was unable to catch the uh, first preseason game, Matt Patra, with a couple points, which was good to see. Mason Lodorai played 29 minutes in Tuesday night's loss uh, to Buffalo. So I think those, for me, two guys that stood out, you know, Patra with goal and an assist, you know, looked pretty comfortable in that preseason opener from what I saw, you know, in Lowry, just, I think, 
a guy that just looks really comfortable and poised. And I think, you know, with these two guys in particular, you know, you hope that they're kind of part of that kind of next wave of the future for this team, you know, and I think hopefully, you know, guys that can be kind of lineup fixtures for however long, you know, they're with the Bruins. So, you know, I think I've, you know, Ty and Ty and I talked about Lowry last week that, you know, it may be best for him to, you know, play his entire season in Providence and maybe not start the year with the Bruins. But I think, you know, it's a good decision, I think, by Jim Montgomery to expose him to as many minutes as they can uh, just to kind of give him all the run he can get because he didn't play that many games of professional hockey last year. You know, I think played five regular season games and like three or four postseason games. So I think him getting to see as many minutes as possible, I think, is great for his development because it's, you know, low pressure types of games. It's not games that are like, you know, it's it's not like it's a McAvoy situation where, you know, it's 2017, three guys go down with injuries and you have to play in a playoff game. You know, I think that this is a lot more kind of to like kind of an ease in type of thing. Um, but I think him getting as many minutes as possible is is a good thing to see. And I think, you know, who knows? I'm curious to see, you know, what their thought process is with him once training camp is over. Because I think, could there be a place for him? Absolutely. But I think the smarter thing would be to kind of just keep him in Providence, let him to continue to develop, and maybe see where he's at toward the end of the season, and maybe mid-season. You know, who knows? You know, the Bruins, as we've seen over the years, rifle through defensemen quite a bit during the regular season and playoffs. So I really wouldn't count him out from appearing in a game in Boston this year. But I would think the plan is to keep him in Providence unless, you know, something crazy happens. I think for, for Patra, in all likelihood, going back to juniors, you know, I think that the way that his contract works is he can only go back to juniors or can stay with the Bruins. And I think you know, clearly probably is not going to be up with the Bruins this year, um, despite how well he's played in the preseason and training camp. But I think it's encouraging to see that you're seeing some progress with him. You know, I think that's the biggest thing with someone like that, who I think the Bruins see as kind of a part of their next wave of the future. And I think, you know, like with Lowry, it's important to get him as many minutes as you can um, at the NHL level or, you know, whatever you want to call preseason hockey, because, you know, yes, technically it's the NHL level, but it's, you know, kind of scrimmage. Like, I don't, like, I think, you know, playoff hockey is the most intense form of pro hockey. Then you got your regular season, you know, then you got your, like, preseason and, you know, games that I don't want to say don't matter because they do matter, but, you know, games that don't have bearing in, you know, standings or anything like that. But I think it's good to see him getting um, some minutes, you know, survived the first round of roster cuts. 
you know, no one really surprising in that first round. You know, I think there were eight guys that were sent to Providence. So, you know, you stick around um, and will actually play tonight. Uh, both guys actually will play in the uh, preseason game tonight against the Flyers. couple familiar faces will also be playing. Uh, Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, Pavel Zaka, A.J. Greer, Danton Heinen, Jacob Lauko, uh, Lindholm, Lowry, and uh, McAvoy, and Shattenkirk, and Linus Olmark. So get a couple regulars in there, a couple of other kind of roster bubble younger guys. Um, Patra, obviously, as you mentioned, Brett Harrison will play. Um, Merk Merkulov, um, Alex Chason will be playing tonight as well. So, you know, opportunity for a couple of those guys on you know, the professional tryouts and on like the, the roster bubble, you know, a chance for those guys to show what they can do. So I think, you know, kind of a, large, a bigger picture with this team. Um, I do expect them to compete. You know, Ty Anderson and I kind of talked about it, that, you know, the division may not be as tough as it is in, in most years. And, you know, ironically, it may have just gotten a little bit easier with uh, news yesterday that Andre Vasilevsky for the Lightning is undergoing surgery and will miss approximately the first two months of the season. So, you know, I think that, you know, surgery or not for Vasilevsky, you know, that team might be on the downturn a little bit. You know, I think just the getting up there in age and, you know, just kind of the toll of that team going to, what was it, three cups in a row, you know, going out in the first round last year. You know, I think that that's a team that may not be the team that they were, you know, say three, four years ago. Um, you know, obviously Toronto is going to be really good. We know that. You know, Florida, we'll see. But I think no one else in the division, I think you can really pinpoint and say, okay, we know what that team's going to be. Because, yes, there are a lot of young teams like, you know, Ottawa, like Buffalo, like Detroit, that have the potential to be good. But until we see it, you kind of don't really know. And then as far as the Bruins, yes, losing a lot of talent, you know, losing a lot of leadership. But I think they still have those pillars of, you know, solid goaltending. You know, you're bringing back the same goalies that were part of the you know, team that had the most points in league history, you're bringing back mostly the same group of defensemen. You know, with McAvoy, with Lindholm, who's now fully healthy, you know, Carlo, and you got a forward group with Pasternak, Marchand, Zaka, DeBrusque, Charlie Coyle. You know, you got some guys that are good quality players. So, yes, there will be a drop-off because they're not going to score as many points. as They're not going to have as many points as they did last year. It's just not going to happen. So yes, there will be some regression, but I still don't think it's crazy for this team to, or for, for people to think that this team could get a hundred points and be in a wild card spot, or dare I say, even be top three in the division. I really don't think it's that crazy. So, you know, yes, there will be a drop off and, you know, it's not, it's not really much of a controversial take to, say that the Bruins are not going to be um, nearly as good as they were last year just because it's 
kind of natural with the you know some of the talent that they lost, but they're still going to be a good team, and I think it's there. There's reason to be excited about you know paying attention to some of these preseason games, you know, seeing some of these next this next wave of guys, and you know being excited what next what this season can bring, because I don't think that. I think for the first time in a very long time, there's not like these Stanley Cup or bust uh, expectations. You know, I think that the expectations for this group are, you know, be a competitive team, get back to the playoffs. And, you know, I think it's a reasonable goal. You know, I think whenever, you know, Bergeron Krejci were around the last couple of years, you know, you kind of had this mentality that, okay, is this year the last year? Is this year the last year? You know, is this going to be it? You know, and I think that there were signs that last year were kind of just going to be it. You know, Krejci coming back uh, for one more year and, and whatnot. But I still think this is going to be a good team this year. And, you know, looking forward to the rest of the preseason and the regular season, which is less than two weeks away. So the Bruins have four more preseason games. They will play tonight in Boston against Philadelphia, and then they will play on Monday night in Philadelphia, and then Tuesday night back in Boston against the Capitals, and then next Thursday they will have their preseason finale at Madison Square Garden against the Rangers, and then obviously season opener October 11th, Wednesday night, against the Blackhawks at TD Garden. So I think that that is going to do it. We're going to move over to the uh, poor Red Sox, who are uh, three games left to go before the season, and it uh, continues to be a pretty disappointing um, end of the summer, or end of the season for this team that, you know, not too long ago, you know, we're eight games over 500. We're 69 and 61 and um, have gone 7 and 22 and have completely nosedived. And yeah, you know, things have gone from bad to worse. And now it's kind of just, can we just finish the season? You know, I think that that's kind of what the, what the theme is the last couple of games. You know, yes, you have a couple of young guys that are getting into games and getting opportunities. You know, Rafaela, uh, Willier, Abreu. In particular, you know, not playing too bad, getting some at-bats and some chances. But, you know, I think I think it's, it's difficult because going into the season, I think a lot of people kind of expected that this was the kind of season that they were going to have, you know, that they were going to be around 500. You know, I think that some of us that thought... Some of us, the people that like to be optimistic, including myself, you know, thought that this team had an outside chance to win 90 games and be a playoff team. But I think kind of just realized it just wasn't going to come together. You know, the injuries hit, you know, the starting pitching wasn't good enough at times this season. And, you know, it just, it seemed like this team just could never kind of get good momentum going and when they did you know it would stop in their tracks with you know losing streaks and whatnot that 
you know, you'd win six out of seven, then you lose four straight, you know, and the team was never able to kind of keep a long kind of win streak and good stretch of play going, you know, maybe outside of a couple times this year. But I think, you know, what we saw was a flawed baseball team, a team that was, wasn't nearly good enough starting pitching, you know, would make a lot of fundamental mistakes on the base, on the base paths, on defense, you know, and just have a, you know, pension for losing games in kind of the worst fashion, you know, and I think it just was never a group of players that really came together, you know, and they tried, you know, there were guys that definitely tried, you know, I think you look at someone like Justin Turner, who had a tremendous season, you know, 23 home runs, 96 RBIs was you know, third on the team in home runs, second in RBIs. You know, Rafael Devers had, you know, I think pretty on par with the type of season we would we would expect. You know, I do think Turner was very good, you know, and I think at times was their best offensive player. But I think, you know, you had some disappointments you know, Jaron Duran for the first time in his career, I thought really looked comfortable and then, you know, got hurt. You know, Casas, I think, was a pleasant surprise. I thought the season he had was great. You know, and I think you hope that he can build off of that. You know, Yoshida, I think, was pretty solid at times. You know, I think maybe left a little bit to be desired, but I think the way that he was able to, you know, be comfortable against majorly kidding, you know, was a positive, but uh, someone like Verdugo was, it just was very disappointing post kind of all-star break for him. Um, and I'm just not really sure what the issue was, you know, low effort or whatever, but I can't really see him returning to this team next year. Um, you know, it was good to see Trevor Story return and kind of get back to being that really good defensive player although he kind of never really has never has not gotten into a rhythm offensively. You know, hard to expect when he's only played 40 games this year, but I think that he's a guy that they desperately need to figure it out at the plate uh, because that contract is starting to not look very smart, you know. So you hope that he can figure it out. You know, I think that someone like Connor Wong was decent, you know, had his moments, I think is – a better defensive catcher than people thought, um, you know, gave you a little bit at the plate at times. But, you know, I think there still are, are a lot of questions with this team, uh, particularly pitching-wise. And I just, I think that, you know, as much as Alex Cora said yesterday and, you know, said something about Chris Sale, being the opening day starter, I just hope that that doesn't mean that they're thinking that he can be a front of the rotation guy because he's like not that pitcher anymore. And so I just, I just would hope that they're smart in terms of addressing the pitching staff uh, this off season, because, you know, the, the starting pitching, you know, is kind of one of the most important spots on the team. And, you know, outside of Brian Bayo, who at times was solid, but at times struggled, you kind of need a little bit more. You need more than, 
you know, Tanner Houck, Cutter Crawford, and, you know, Paxton, Whitlock, whoever, you know, Kluber, the side, that signing was a disaster. So, you know, this team needs to, I think, get back to being a, a team that can be relied upon to pitch, you know, deep into games, because I think the bullpen, as we saw, was really good this year. You know, Chris Martin, fantastic signing at a one 105 ERA, you know, Kenley Jansen with 29 saves this year, and I thought looked pretty good at times. You know, I think that it kind of all comes down to the starting pitching, and I think improving the defense, improving, you know, the fundamental errors. Um, but I think, you know, it'd be interesting to see what ends up happening with, you know, the front office, you know, a I believe that they're looking for a kind of, I don't know if chief baseball officer is the correct term, because I think that was the term for um, Heim Bloom. So I think they're looking for someone for that position, but then looking for a general manager. So I guess they're going to be two people that they're looking for. So I think once they get that figured out, you know, you kind of have an idea of what their plan is going to be. Um, I think that there might be in-house candidates, you know, Sam Fold, who's in charge of the Phillies or involved in their front office in some way, um, has emerged as a candidate, is a New England native, so he's someone that could be brought in. Um, I feel like there was another name that I'm forgetting. Um, yikes, yeah. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Yeah, but uh, Fold, obviously, is one of the names. Um, Eddie Romero, who's involved in the team's front office at the moment, um, I think is also another candidate for uh, one of those positions. So, you know, you just hope that they can have the resources necessary to try to kind of revamp this pitching staff. You know, I think that you have some solid pieces on this team. You know, Bayo, I think, is a guy that you keep or is a keeper for the long term. You know, Casas, I think, as well. Devers, obviously, as well. But, you know, outside of that, I think there's not a whole lot of, you know, guys that you can look at and say, okay, these guys are, you know, legitimate major leaguers. You know, you hope, you hope that with the prospects that come up in the next few years, you hope that they can be kind of part of that future so you don't have to be relying on solely free agent acquisitions um, and free agency and trade acquisitions. Um, but I think it's going to be curious to see how the team, you know, whoever ends up being in charge, you know, how they approach the offseason. Because I think there's some pretty clear, you know, pretty clear flaws with this team. And I think it starts with the pitching. It starts with the defense. And then I think... You know, the rest of it is just better fundamentals. And I don't know how that gets improved. Is that something that Alex Cora needs to do a better job with? Does the coaching staff need to do a better job? I mean, who knows? But I just know that we saw a kind of a, for lack of a better term, kind of a dumb baseball team, you know, that made a lot of mistakes running into outs and, you know, being on the wrong end of a, of a triple play, you know, making poor mistakes defensively. I think that 
you know, all those things, you know, for, for the team to be a consistent, you know, team that's competitive, those kind of errors need to be cut out, you know, and yes, it's baseball, you're not going to be able to cut out every single thing, but I think being a better fundamental baseball team, I think, is something that they need to work on. I think if they can do that, improve the pitching staff, hope that, you know, some of the guys can figure it out offensively, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be in good shape. But I think that there's definitely a lot of work to be done for, you know, whoever takes over uh, for this team this offseason. So I think we're going to move on and talk about the revolution quickly. Uh, Revs have a busy week with a home game on Saturday tomorrow against uh, Charlotte FC. And then they will f- face uh, Columbus on Wednesday, both home games. Revs, unfortunately, have been passed by a couple teams in the Eastern Conference. Revs are now down to sixth place in the Eastern Conference, although they are tied with two other teams with 49 points. Third place team is 50 points. Second place team is 51. So it's not like it's a huge thing that they've been passed. You know, Revs with five games left in the season can certainly um, get as close to or can can get back into second place, I would think. Um, so Revs last weekend with a 2-2 draw in Chicago. Revs did clinch a playoff berth uh, with that tie. Carlos Heel and Tomas Shankalai with goals. Um, I think the Revs played pretty well offensively in this game. You know, I think defensively and goaltending-wise, there's still some things that need to be cleaned up. You know, Earl Earl Edwards has done, I think, the best job that he can do in goal, but I think that they really are going to need someone else in there. You know, hopefully Vosleek, their new... Um, acquisition can be someone that can play in some games before the playoffs start. Um, you know, and I think Earl's done a decent job, but I think, you know, I don't know how much you can rely on him for the playoffs. You know, that'll kind of be interesting to see. But, you know, I think defensively, they've maybe not been at their best the last couple of games, you know, giving up two goals in their last two games, and then one goal, and then two goals, so kind of have had, have had multiple goals given up in three of their last four, so, you know, I think that can be improved, Um, you know, hopefully Henry Kessler can return soon, you know, had that hamstring injury that he had suffered in the spring, um, I think is getting close to returning um, for this team, and so I think, you know, getting some stability on the back line you know, is going to be important for this team. Um, And I think continuing to get, you know, consistency in the attacking third with, you know, Sean Galai, who I think in the six games that he's played has actually been a pretty solid addition as three goals, um, including two in the draw against Austin a couple of weeks ago. Um, And then had a goal, obviously, the last game. Frioni, I think, is looking more comfortable. Six goals on the season. Uh, we've not seen a lot of Bobby Wood recently, which I'm not really sure why. You know, I haven't seen much of him or Boateng recently. Um, 
Gustavo Bo, you know, hopefully working his way back um, onto the field. I know he's dealt with some injuries, kind of is always the thing with him, but he has five goals on the season. But, you know, obviously everything flows through Carlos Heel. Um, and I think that anytime you have this guy in the lineup, you have a chance to win. So, you know, I think for this team going into the playoffs, it's making sure you have the right, you know, combination and, you know, guys that you feel confident in. Um, because the playoffs are going to be hard. You know, those games are, uh, you know, it's it's much like any other professional sport when you get to the playoffs. The games are much more intense. You know, the chances are, you know, come at a premium. And so you want to make sure that you make the best with those chances. So uh, good news for the Revs this week. He'll be at home for both of these games. Revs have yet to uh, lose a game at home this season. So... Hopefully that can continue, you know, Charlotte kind of near the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings. And then Columbus, one of the teams that has passed the Revs in the standings. So that will be a pretty good uh, matchup for the Revs. And then they close out the season on the road for two of their last three. So uh, Revs Charlotte this week, or tomorrow I should say. Um, and then the Columbus game is Wednesday night. Both of those home games, both of those starts at 7.30. So as I said, five games left for this team for the rest of the regular season. Then we'll get to the playoffs, which thankfully the Revs are in, clinched a playoff berth. So we'll just see where they end up being seeded. So I think we're going to move on. Talk a little bit about the Celtics. Yes, there is finally some actual uh, news we can talk about. The Celtics uh, signing Lamar Stevens to a contract. So he had been um, in Boston for a workout a couple of months ago. So Celtics end up uh, giving him a contract played with the Cavaliers last season. Not much of a shooter, not much of an offensive game. Shot 31% from three last season, but a very good versatile defender, so I'm curious about, um, you know, what his, what his minutes look like, because I think, you know, clearly the top guys are still going to be the top guys, you know, you think about the starters, uh, Robert Williams, Al Horford, the Jays, Porzingis, Derek White, you know, Brogdon, assuming that he's still with the team once the season starts, and Pritchard, but I think There'll be opportunities for uh, both Lamar Stevens and O'Shea Brissett, who the Celtics um, had signed in July. Um, two guys that I think are pretty solid versatile defenders. You know, I think Brissett's more of a shooter than um, Stevens, but I think you want to continue to have the the, the correct depth, um, and I think this team certainly does. And that's not even mentioning, you know. Uh, your Sam Hausers and your Jordan Walshers, who I think will, you know, add some decent minutes for your team. Um, but I think this signing probably doesn't change a whole lot. You know, I think that your your bench guys have a little bit more versatility, um, but I think your top guys, your top like, you know, six, seven, or eight is probably going to stay the same. Um, but I think. You know, who knows? Someone like Stevens and Brissett, you know, could be useful 
um, at points in the regular season because it is a long season. You know, guys can get dinged up. So, you know, I also think that, you know, unlike last season, I think Peyton Pritchard is going to get more looks and more minutes, which I think is going to be good for his development and good for his kind of mindset um, as he kind of went through a, a tough year last year, I think, with just the limited playing time and the, you know, whole, like, wanting to be traded, not being traded, and then, you know, just, just I think, a lot for him to go through. And, you know, I think it's good that this team has kind of maintained that there is a spot for him um, because I think he's a very good basketball player and, you know, should get all the opportunity he deserves to, you know, be a quality rotation player um, in the NBA. So, you know, I said Brogdon, I kind of paused on him just because um, there's been some f- stuff floating around recently, um, especially with the Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard trade uh, to Milwaukee um, and Drew Holiday being traded to Portland, that there's some rumors out there that the Celtics may be interested in Drew Holiday. And I think, you know, Brogdon would be someone that would be going away in a trade if they chose to make that move. Personally, I don't think it's the right move um, just because I think it's going to take more than Brogdon. You know, I think it's going to take either Al Horford and Robert Williams. And me personally, I'm not getting rid of either of those two guys because I think, you know, you get rid of one of those guys, then your depth at the bigs, your depth like at the big position, you know, becomes less deep, I think. I would like to keep this team as deep as possible and, you know, Drew Holiday, I think, yes, on the surface makes them a better team, but if you consider likely what they'd have to be giving up, I don't think it makes them a better team. You know, I don't know if there's some crazy salary cap gymnastics that the Celtics could get away with not trading either one of them, but I just think may not be possible, and I think just the salary implications down the road makes it so that your window may be limited and I think or your window your championship window may be closed maybe closed a little bit and I think for this team I'd rather keep the championship window as open as you possibly can and I think that that trade closes it a little bit I think that I don't know I don't want to be pushing all my chips into the table just to win one, like I'm trying to win. The goal, I think, with this group is to try to win multiple. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Drew Holiday. I don't think he's getting traded to the Celtics, but, you know, certainly Milwaukee making a big move and kind of pushing all their chips to the middle. I don't know if that trade makes them a better team. It certainly makes them more exciting, more dynamic offensively, but... It's an older roster, and it's not exactly a great defensive team. You know, Lillard, for as good as he is, is not as good of a defender as Drew Holiday is. You know, I think that's a huge understatement. Um, And I think Drew Holiday is a guy that has given the Celtics fits in the last couple of years, you know, as someone that can defend both the Jays and, you know, can occasionally go off and, you know, hit a lot of shots. I think there was one game that he hit he hit like 40 points in a game against the Celtics. So, you know, I think 
good to have that guy not on the Bucks. And yeah, okay, maybe in theory it would be a good guy to bring to the Celtics. But I think as Brad Stevens has said that he likes this roster, and I think there, I think is something to be said for, you know, I think when they made the Marcus Smart trade, it was kind of a message that, okay, you know, this is a big, big trade for the franchise, you know, and this was something that was not an easy decision to trade someone that, you know, really has been the heartbeat of the team. And, you know, when you ask some people, he's a fan favorite, but I think, you know, just knowing that you traded someone that was a big part of what you wanted to try to accomplish. Um, and I think if you're trading, you know, Horford or Rob Williams, potentially in this Drew Holiday trade, you know, if this happens, I think that just is another, like, really big move that I think could, you know, I don't want to say change the locker room, but it's like, I think it already was hard to lose Marcus Smart. And I think if they lost someone like Al Horford or Rob Williams, you know, it would create another kind of big, huge kind of, you know, emotional trade that I think this team has made one hard emotional trade this year or this summer. And I would prefer that they not do it again. I think especially less than a week before training camp, that's the other thing. This team reports to training camp on Tuesday. Do you really want to make this trade with Drew Holiday and, you know, lose, you know, a major piece in Horford and Rob Williams, you know, days before training camp? I don't know. I think that would be kind of a a crazy move. But I like the team's roster where it's at. I think that they're versatile. You know, they can, you know, play a good defensive game. They can score a lot. You know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what or, you know, what kind of difference uh, Porzingis makes in terms of, you know, what he can do offensively to kind of take some of that offensive load off of uh, both of the Jays. So, as you said, uh, training camp kicks off on Tuesday. Celtics will have their first preseason game uh, a week from Sunday against the 76ers on October 8th. They have five preseason games in all couple games against the Sixers, couple games against the Knicks, and then their uh, preseason finale is against Charlotte. All of those games, or all five of those preseason games, and then the regular season starts October 25th against the very same Knicks at Madison Square Garden. So I think that's going to do it for the Celtics. You know, I think covered the potential Drew Holiday rumors um, and Lamar Stevens. So I think that's going to be it for our coverage of the local teams. Get to some other notes. We start with the NFL. Obviously, we're talking with you on Friday. So Thursday night football uh, took place last night in Green Bay. The Lions winning 34-20, to jumping out to a 24-3 lead. Green Bay got a little close in the second half, but Detroit with the win. David Montgomery with three rushing touchdowns in this game for the Lions, who are now 3-1 and one 
Packers dropped to two and two. <clears throat> and some other some other notes from around the league. The Packers uh, putting David Bakhtiari on IR. <clears throat> so he will miss the next four weeks. And the Dolphins uh, wide receiver Jalen Waddell clearing concussion protocol. So he will be set to return Sunday for the Dolphins matchup with the Bills. Um, some other games from week four, obviously, we talked uh, Patriots. We got the Falcons and the Jags at 9.30 over in London. So that's a London game in the morning, 9.30 start on ESPN+. Plus. Miami and Buffalo, the starting the early slate, 1 o'clock games, some other 1 o'clock games. The Broncos and the Bears, both teams at 0-3 looking for their first win. Uh, Baltimore and Cleveland, both 2-1. and Both teams that I think have played pretty decent the first couple first couple weeks. You know, I think this is an interesting game uh, for both teams to kind of see where each other is at. Pittsburgh travels to Houston, Minnesota, and Carolina. Both of those teams are 0-3 looking for their first win. Uh, the Rams and the Colts. The Buccaneers and the Saints, Washington and Philadelphia, Cincinnati and Tennessee, and then the four o'clock games, there are just two of them, or well, three of them if you include the Patriots, uh, the Raiders and the Chargers at 4.05, and then the Cardinals and the 49ers at 4.25, and then the Sunday night game this week is the Chiefs against the Jets, and then Monday night is the Seahawks against the Giants. So we'll talk about that game on Monday. Go through the slate of games on Monday also. Do a recap for you. So we're going to take a look at some notes over in over on baseball. Uh, the Braves sweeping the Cubs, clinching home field throughout the playoffs. The Orioles with the win over the Red Sox last night, uh, clinching the AL East, winning their 100th game for the sixth time. In franchise history, so they win the division for the first time since 2014. And the Orioles also uh, reached a 30-year deal to remain at Camden Yards in Baltimore. So uh, there also was a report that uh, some of the new rules this season have led to uh, Major League Baseball drawing uh, its most fans since 2017. So I, I would assume that that's due to the rules. I don't know how sure it would be due to anything else, but we'll take a look at the standings as most teams in their final, or every team, I think in their final series of the regular season. So as you mentioned, Baltimore clinching the AL East last night. Minnesota has clinched the NL Cent or AL Central. So both of those division winners going to the playoffs in the American League West. Texas has a two-game lead over Houston and three over Seattle. So obviously, Houston and Seattle still alive in the playoff chase. Tampa Bay in the AL East has clinched a playoff spot. And Toronto has yet to clinch as they are still in the wild card spot, or still in a wild card spot. So Tampa Bay leads the wild card. And then you got Toronto and then you got Houston. And then Seattle is one game back. So 
things can get very interesting with Seattle and Houston this weekend. You know, Texas, I think, best chance to clinch the American League West. So, with, I think, oh, okay. This makes more sense. So, Toronto, Texas, Houston, and Seattle, three of those teams make the playoffs. Two of those teams will be wildcard teams, and then another team will be the American League West winner. And then, obviously, one team is going home. It kind of looks like it's Seattle at the moment as they're three games back in the division, but they're only one back in the wild card. So Houston with two games to go, Seattle with three. So it'll be interesting to watch and see what happens. In the National League, Atlanta clinching the East, Milwaukee clinched the Central, and the Dodgers clinching the West. So nothing to report there in the divisions. In the wild card, Philadelphia leads in the wild card. They have clinched a playoff spot, so they'll be locked in to that first wild card position. And then the Cardinals in the second spot with the Marlins in third. Cubs are a half game back. Reds are a game and a half. And then the Padres are three and a half. So a couple of those teams still alive. So I believe how it works is the top two, or the division winners with the best, the team, the division winners, the best two records get a bye, and then the other four teams compete in the best of three wildcard series. So as it stands right now, it would be Baltimore and Texas getting the buys, and then I believe it would be then... Minnesota against Houston, and then Texas against Tampa Bay. Maybe I'm maybe that's confusing. Or no, one team gets a bye because yeah, they're three to. Uh, okay, I, I don't know. We will we will discuss this on Monday because that's the easiest thing to do. Just wait for it all to get figured out. I don't know why I'm trying to make this more difficult than it needs to be. Uh, but yeah, we will wait Monday and uh, give you the full standings, um, give you the full final standings, and then preview the uh, wild card series, the best of three wild card series, which will be uh, fun to watch. So we'll jump over to some hockey notes. Obviously, as you mentioned, uh, Andre Vasilevsky for the Lightning will be out for two months as he recovers from, I think, a herniated disc in his back. Uh, Mikhail Backlund getting a two-year extension from the Flames and will be their new captain. And Connor Bedard looking pretty good for uh, the Blackhawks in his uh, preseason debut last night. He's going to be pretty exciting to watch. And the Bruins will get a look at him pretty early in his second uh, professional game at the Garden, October 11th. Um, and Corey Schneider, the former uh, Canucks and Devils goalie, announced his retirement from the NHL. So obviously Bruins and Flyers tonight, uh, 7 o'clock start on Nesson Plus and NHL Network. So I think get into some NBA. 
the Bucks uh, emerging as new NBA title favorites with the uh, Willard trade. Kind of was a little surprising to me, but, you know, I think a trade like that is going to affect the uh, odds in some way. Uh, the Clippers are expecting both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to enter camp fully healthy. And yeah, training camps open up this week. I think NBA teams media days will be on uh, Monday. So be interesting to kind of see what happens with that. Um, take a look at some NCAA football. Take a look at some uh, rankings here. Georgia, Michigan, and Texas, the top three unchanged from last week. Ohio State up to number four. Florida State down to number five. Missouri, Kansas, and Fresno State into the rankings at 23, 24, and 25, respectively. And then some games this weekend, 10th-ranked Utah, 19th-ranked Oregon State tonight at 9 o'clock. And then Saturday at 3.30, 24th-ranked Kansas and 3rd-ranked Texas. And then later Saturday at 6 o'clock, 13th-ranked LSU against 20th-ranked Ole Miss. And then Saturday night, 11th-ranked Notre Dame, 17th-ranked Duke. And so I think that that's going to do it. Before we let you guys go... I just would like to extend a thought out to uh, Tim Wakefield and his wife, who was, uh, I should say, inappropriately revealed yesterday that they are both um, battling cancer. Um, just would like to extend a thought to them and their family um, that I think, you know, it's something like that is, is something that's obviously, you know, very very private and very personal. And I just would like all of us to be thinking about, you know, Tim and his family and, you know, just how much he's meant to the Red Sox organization, you know, not just what he's done on the field, but all the different things he's been involved with um, off the field. So just would like for us to extend our best wishes to their family. Um, you know, Tim is, a, you know, it's so funny because, you know, growing up being a Red Sox fan, he just was one of those players that just was like synonymous with the team, you know, and was with the team for so long. I mean, I came over from Pittsburgh in 1995, you know, and was with the team until 2011. You know, I started, you know, watching the team when I was seven, eight years old and, you know, always knew that he was on the team, always knew they threw knuckleballs and um, just was... Someone, you know, like, you know, Manny Ramirez or some of those guys that I, like, grew up watching. And um, just, again, a guy that's synonymous with the Red Sox and the community, you know, has worked on Nesson for a couple of years. So, obviously, we're all thinking about uh, Tim and his wife, Stacy, um, at, at this time. So, just wanted to say, a, a, just wanted to give a give a thought to the both of them and their family uh, before we kind of let you guys go. So um, again, with the schedule being a little bit different, uh, we will be back on Monday uh, to talk with you folks 
uh, won't be guest Friday next week. I, uh, I'm going to be going to uh, two weddings next weekend, so no guest Friday. But uh, we will be back the week of October 9th. Get, you know, typical Monday episode, guest Friday later in the week. So I uh, look forward to getting back to a regular schedule. But just want to say thanks to um, everyone that's, you know, bared with me during these last couple weeks. I know it's been a little bit weird, but uh, again, yeah, just want to say thanks. So everyone, um, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.